The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Banjo College Football. I'm your host, Kevin Paul, joined as always by Andrew Stevens and Brian Scott Rippey. Hope you guys enjoyed the new intro music. Uh, we paid an unknown person uh, extreme sums of money to make that happen. So, um, you know, hope you guys like it as much as we do because uh, we've all heard it one time. Uh, fellas, how are we doing today? Most people were wondering why I decided on a West Coast road trip, and it, y'all may notice. We're doing a little bit of uh, the old high school prank of releasing four pigs in, or three pigs in a school, numbering them one, two, and four. Uh, this is the third episode, but it is Banjo 4 because there is a 15-minute lost tape from my Chronicles uh, outside of a Las Vegas, or not a Las Vegas, West Wendover, Nevada casino parking lot. Um, so we'll get we'll get into some of my West Coast uh, travels, but that's generally the reason why we had a 10-day delay in recording. So, Rip, how are you? I have a headache because I'm a has-been, and I cannot go out and do social things like I used to be able to and expect to feel okay the next day. So, I am uh, alive. Rippy was detailing to me pre- pre-recording that he uh, he got invited to drink with uh, people in their mid-40s with no kids. And if mm. you know anything about people in their mid-40s with no kids – uh, they fill the time that is typically occupied by screaming with drinking. And so uh, just a, a terrifying cross-section of the pop- uh, population. Yeah. yeah, if, yeah. Uh, Most people that age, like you were saying, like feel like they need to like, like show that they aren't uh, like lame or like the time is passing by or whatever. But like there was no talking necessary. This man's game did the talking for him. He was, he was, he was up to par. Yeah, if you can, uh, for our listeners, if you can find Banjo Three out on the internet, we'll let you on the podcast. Um, but that odds that that ever sees a lot of day are slim to none. Uh, I was about to say there, there, there might have been. Uh, fortunately, I work for myself, and so I can't get myself fired. But I think for uh, our other two compatriots over here who are uh, seeking gainful employment, it might be best that they don't associate with someone like myself. <laughs> That's, uh, I've been telling myself that for years now. Um, okay, so fellas, let's get into it. Um, obviously, uh, we're recording this Sunday afternoon, so uh, we don't know what news could come about between now and the time this is published. But 
Uh, as of now, the Big Ten and Pac-12 conferences have sworn off all out-of-conference games and have made a pledge to only play within their own conference um, because it makes a lot more sense for uh, USC to play Oregon and Oregon State than it does for them to play UC Davis. Uh, folks, how do we feel about this? Um, we felt like something like this was on the way, but weren't sure who would, you know, I guess lay the first brick on this wall that is a season cancellation. Uh, what do we think? I don't get it. Like, I, I don't like, look, I'm not the I'm not screaming. They need to play. They need to play with fans and dispense all that. Like that's not the direction I'm going with this, but if you are going to make changes to the college football season to quote unquote, kind of make things more uh, doable, shouldn't you actually do things that actually help? Because to your point, USC can't play UC Davis, but they can travel to Oregon. Wisconsin can't play Notre Dame in uh, Lambeau, but they can go play Rutgers or whoever. Like it, 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 like conferences being aligned with geography, like those days are kind of over, right? I mean, hell, West Virginia plays in the Big 12. Like I just – like to me it did not seem effective. I guess it is effective from the standpoint fewer games, like you're going any, like cutting down from 12 to – it's somewhere between nine and 10, whatever these conferences decide to do. I guess it helps from that standpoint. But when you kind of like wrap it in the uh, gift wrapping of, well, this will cut down on travel and stuff, that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't jive with me. Somewhere I think Bill Connolly is his chain smoking cigarettes in a closet with string attached to push pins all over, just <laughs> screaming, screaming pods into the void. Um, because I mean, since 2012, we've really ended up in a situation where, I, I mean, I, I get it monetarily because, or at least when the, the, there is not a global pandemic, um, because someone like West Virginia can make a lot more money off of big 12 TV revenue. Um, and so I, I, obviously it makes sense that with the ease of travel now, and you're not schlepping around on buses and you actually have um, have the money to do so that you can expand your sort of conference footprint. And you especially see something like that in the AAC where that really is just like, let's go pick the the biggest of the non-Power 5 schools and try to get them to play every year. Um, but, but yeah, it, it really doesn't make any sense. But that's also us operating on the logic that this was supposed to make any sense. And so uh, the, the, the biggest thing right now that I, I think you see – the internal battling between the conferences is uh, the SEC is mad because they wanted to kick the end. I think it looks like the big 12 too. They're mad because they wanted to kick the can down the road as much as they could. And mm -hmm. they wanted to make it August 1st. And, and I mean, ultimately their decision was malicious. I, I think in saying that like, we wanted to get past the point of no return where it was basically like, we just want to desensitize, desensitize ourselves to this, up to the point where it's like, oh yeah, ob like obviously we're okay with 75,000 new cases a day. Let's just play football. While the Big Ten and I think the Pac-12 have said, no, like we want the ball to be in our court. Like we, we want to be able to dictate a little bit like how the college football season is run. And I think the SEC is just upset right now that that they no longer essentially hold the cards of power. And if, if other conferences are saying, we're not going to play you. It's not like they can go and double down and say, no, you have to play us. We're, we're making you meet us at a neutral site. And so, but but to touch on what you said, Rippy, 
I don't even necessarily know if this is going to result in fewer games. Like what this could end up happening is now that the SEC has been forced into a decision where they're not playing non-conference games, they just go to a 13-game conference schedule. Like, like it would be the most fucking SEC shit of all time if amidst coronavirus they add a regular season game. Like they they end up they end up going they end up going from 12 to 13 because might as well just play everyone in your conference. I, I guess what what's kind of funny too is when you think about the specter of realignment you know, that's really put a huge wrench in all of this. Uh, you know, in the olden days, you know, in a pre-2012 world, Alabama could basically visit every single school in the SEC and not have to drive more than five or five and a half hours. Um, but now College Station is, you know, a nine-hour drive away. Missouri is, you know, I, I'm not even going to look at the math for that. That's incredible. Rip, like you Very said, powerful. like you said, West Virginia's in the Big 12. West Virginia's lifelong blood rival is Pittsburgh, 75 miles away. They can't play Pittsburgh, but th- someone's going to make them get on a plane and fly to Austin, Texas. Yeah, and then kind of circling <laughs> back to like what Andrew was saying a second ago where we were talking about how the other conference wanted the opportunity to like kick the can down the road a little bit. Do you think there was some element to – so like you're starting to see – kind of the the shaping of the message from the current president and administration of we just have to live with this virus and like, you know, agree, disagree, whatever. But I wonder if there's some element of that as they were waiting like kind of for that narrative to take shape so they can just be like, yeah, we're going to play because, you know, we're going to live with this virus. I don't think it's smart, but I just wonder if there's some sort of element to that. And that's part of them wanting to wait is to you just get to the point what you called it the point of no return where it's just like, yeah, we're just going to do this anyway. Yeah, I mean, like, I think college football, just like everything is going to exist on some sort of spectrum. And so I think the spectrum that you're operating on right now is like the spectrum of public discourse in relation to, I mean, not only college football, but college football is like uniquely fucked up in the sense that you are dealing with college kids. You are dealing with kids that really don't have the autonomy to say that I don't want to come back to campus because the the prospect of missing out on name recognition like, like like unfortunately they have been put into the position to where they have to essentially say i mean i guess i have to do like like the nba players yeah it's messed up but like that's to fulfill a larger like it's to fulfill a million dollar contract and yeah they should just be able to pay those guys and not have the season and let the billionaires take the cut but when when you're dealing with the the college sports side of things, like it, it, the spectrum of discourse that that you're operating on is basically like normalized death to the point where college football doesn't seem that bad, or it's painted as sort of like, oh, we need uh, relief in this crazy time. When it's like, yeah, but the relief is adding to the crazy time. Like, like yeah. your 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 entertainment is adding to what's making everything so fucked up. And so the the other side of the spectrum is like I think essentially what we've been trying to like obfuscate this entire time which is we have to basically stay as inside and safe or inside slash outside and distanced like until we have a vaccine and like people don't want to deal with that reality but like that is the reality in which we deal with and so like when you're talking about messaging from the current administration I think it's pushing that messaging as far as we can to like, let's normalize death. So the other things that aren't death seem reasonable while like anyone operating with like, hopefully a sense of moral code is just like, I mean, we have to stay inside and entertainment is entertainment. I'm not like an expert by any means. And I stink at math. So I'm like, just disclaimer here. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, 
But like, this is obviously not getting better. And like, obviously people are not behaving in a manner in which it should get better. And I don't think, I mean, can you imagine if they tried to shut like lockdown again? Like the, the just, the just uproar. So like, are you getting, cause like Florida had 15,000 new cases yesterday. I saw that, which is like shattering a record for the state. Like, don't at a certain point, do you kind of start doing the herd immunity thing? I know that's like a, like a, like kind of a dumb strategy, but at certain point, like what, we're 300 million people? Like, don't you start getting close to it? Because like, that's only with testing. Like, I don't know, like, what is the point of no return, I guess, is what I'm asking. Like, what does that look like? I think that's a good, I, I think the, what does the point of no return look like? Like, I think that's a way to frame that question. It like, it's hard to operate, like even asking that question without at, like completely sounding insensitive but like it's a necessary question when you look at the government response to it. Like like exactly. that, like that is that is an appropriate question when you say like, well, if y'all's internal messaging, y'all being the government, is just like hope everyone gets this quick enough to where it doesn't shut down the economy or like cripple the economy like beyond generational measure, um, then I, I really don't know what that point looks like. But like when you are you're right now at this point just deferring to state and local governments. And like, fortunately, Louisiana, where I'm at right now, has been mildly competent. Like they saw cases spiking back up and they were moving from, I don't know what any of the fucking phases mean, but they were they were going into phase three and now they're back into phase two. And there's now like a statewide mask mandate. And so like, at least I know that there are some state governments that are doing this, but like the only way at this point, I think literally the only way to not have it be like herd immunity is the only strategy is go like full month lockdown, no domestic travel, like no nothing, which would be the strictest lockdown that we would have ever had up to this point, meaning there's absolutely no fucking chance it happens when you have this large of a... There would literally be like nursing home brawls in Florida with canes turned into pickaxes and shit. Like, not say like... We we are we are only as smart as our people, but like it doesn't help when we are a dumb people governed by dumber people. So I don't. And are we inadvertently talking ourselves into the argument that we've already reached the point of no return? Because it just sounds like we're basically making the case that like, hey, the curve is no longer flattenable. I don't even know if that's a word, but like that, obviously that this is not going to get better. Idea. Like, and I think biologists were saying that though that like there is too much coronavirus to flatten anymore. So like what that I so I think what you're operating on there is like stay in like like the personal responsibility that people are advocating for is just like yeah it, the goal here is to have as few people die as possible. So like the more that you quote unquote flatten that curve, even if it is like keeping it from doubling every three days or every two days to every three days, like. It means less people die and it gives people a longer chance to look for the vaccine. But like, I, I we're talking the, in circles here. I, I, I'm the, sorry. The, the, cur- the curve has to flatten at some point, right? I mean, there, unless population growth is out of control, then the curve has to flatten at some point. It's just looking like that's going to be in October of 2021, the way things, the way things are currently going. There's... <laughs> I mean, yeah, and the problem, I mean, with college football is we absolutely know that if anyone is going to be on the front lines of absolute fucking ludicrous, absolute idiocy, it's going to be the SEC, the Big 12. Like, I'm, I'm honestly kind of surprised that the ACC 
seem to stand with the Big Ten and the Pac-12. A conference with Florida State making the correct decisions? Are you kidding me? And then, shocker here, not, everyone not being on the same page, it's almost like it would be easier to navigate an unprecedented pandemic as if you had, like, a uniformed leader and not just a bunch of disjointed parts doing their own thing. Like, uh, can we talk about that? The coronavirus is making the college football commissioner case for them. Oh, yeah, can we, come on. Can we, talk, can we talk about, like, the NCAA statement was – I'm not even sure I was mad well, at I'm reading gonna read, it. I, I'm going to get – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it up, but, but go, yeah. KP. Yeah, just – it's honestly one of the objectively funniest things I think I've ever read on the internet. Uh, in the, and you know, one of the most powerful sporting entities in the world, um, you know, everyone's looking to them for some semblance of guidance, uh, some sort of direction. And uh, a- Andrew, what did our dearest friend NCAA say? Um, I don't think I've seen that. I'll be reading this for the first time. Oh God, it's it, it's it's great. It's hilarious. It's about exactly. Actually, no. It's wait. It's, did they delete it? They. Oh man. Oh wait. Hold on. So here's one. Here's one that they, they may have amended this one, but this one uh, I, I I just searched. Also, NCA.org is not a secure website. Get your fucking SSL together, NCA. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Jesus Christ, encrypt this thing. Um, but it says, uh, th- this is what th- this one says. It says, the NCAA close, or continues to closely monitor COVID-19 and is taking proactive measures to mitigate the impact of the virus. When it comes to decision-making, our commitment is this, protect the health and safety of college athletes. But that is definitely, that isn't an amended statement from what it said before, because the previous statement was like, the NCA supports the decisions of its member institutions to make decisions about decision making. It, <laughs> it was it was basically like it reminded me of um, a few years ago. The NCAA was like, "Hey guys, uh, I think it, it was one of the many years Ohio State was on the verge of being left out of the playoff, and they basically came out and said, "Hey guys, uh, we're not over the the playoff or the New Year's Six. That's not us. We have nothing to do with that. Thanks. Have a great day." And it's, it seems like that's what this was to the NCAA coming out saying, uh, yeah, we have no authority here whatsoever, which is a pretty common theme of the last few years. Um, you know, conferences and schools, do what you want. We support you. And this is a month after, like, remember, like a month and a half ago when this seemed like it might have been dying down, what a world that was. It seems like that was 12 months ago. But when – uh, Mark Emmert was on some radio show basically just talking about how you know he's pondered the idea of moving the football season or delaying it when he actually has no such power to do so. So they put out this statement a month after the, you know, the president of the NCAA is talking about doing things that he has absolutely no authority to do and would never be able to get it done. Here we go. I got the I got the official statement here. So it says, as the COVID-19 pandemic continues to impact college sports nationally, the NCAA supports its members as they make important decisions based on their specific circumstances and in the best interest of college athletes' health and well-being. Jesus. Absolutely. It is is saying – it's fine if you suspend voluntary workouts right now, but we're going to need that Saturday revenue coming in in September. And that's what this all comes down to, right? Like at the end of the day, like I, I, I don't know about y'all, and I've been as about as pessimistic as over the last week about things that I think I've been, as it pertains to sports, uh, as I've been in a long time. But at the end of the day, from a college sports standpoint, some semblance of some kind of season, 
I'll put it this way. Games are happening in some form, right? Because if they don't have anything, like everything else goes away, like every other sports. And they're already hurting financially because we've talked about this before. Like they don't save money and all that. Like at the end of the day, this comes down to something is going to happen, right? Like they're going to try to play something. Too much money at stake not to. I think that's the right – like I, I think it does get overstated that like ha- that that needs to be – like when you're thinking about this, you have to think that is how the NCAA is thinking or, or that's how the member institutions are thinking about this. Like they, they do not operate – it's an institution that it doesn't fucking pay its labor. Like at what point do people think that they're going to turn around and say like, what's best for the kid? No, every single one of these people is looking at an Excel sheet on a computer, looking at red, 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 like at no, at no point are they saying like, Oh shit, we've been running kids into each other at 19 miles an hour head first for the last century and a half. Like, I wonder what we're going to do to, make sure that they don't get the novel coronavirus. Like (laughs) we've reached a situation where like, this is like, I I do this with, or or like I I try and yell at people about this online with like the Trump stuff, but it's like, don't get mad and don't like, like don't get mad at shit you already know. Like, like, like stop getting mad that the NCAA is being responsible when the NCAA is giving you nothing but a hundred years of data that they will literally do nothing other than be irresponsible and be profit driven when given the chance. And that's the, you nailed it there. Cause that's the other thing too, is like, when have they ever been self-aware, but I'm not even sure if it's self-awareness that they just don't give a shit. Like they've never given a shit about perception. What do you like? What makes you think they're going to do the no. right thing and change now? Like they don't care. No, nothing at all. I do think it's pretty telling though, that um, when we talked about other sports and on one hand, it's, you know, of course, a lot of talent economies will be hurt pretty badly if the season is canceled. You know, we all, the three of us all went to school in pretty, you know, you know, pretty quintessential college towns in Tuscaloosa, Oxford, and Athens. But, you know, going forward, if Alabama doesn't play football, you know, Alabama also probably can't play softball. We can't have a track season. You know, we, we probably can't play baseball. It, that's the big thing, and that's what I think the NCAA is trying to avoid because they already lost out on all the March Madness revenue, which is just, that's the bread and butter, which is obscene. They lost out on everything March Madness, and now they're trying to make sure there's football because if there's not football, there's not a lot of everything else. Stanford, literally, Stanford had to cut eleven sports. Yeah, and and again, that's them. I think being proactive with it, as opposed to these other schools that are going. Like, I think Stanford is letting these athletes know that, like, we are not going to have a team this year, as opposed to a place like Georgia, which is probably going to hold out. Like, Georgia's what, what they're going to end up doing is they're going to hold out to the last minute. They're going to play a seven-game abbreviated conference schedule that's going to get cut in half and then they're still going to end up having to cut those sports they're going to make enough money from the tv revenue to save football and everything around football but they're still going to have to cut swimming in 14 months or whatever but now those athletes aren't going to get an opportunity to potentially go somewhere else because they tried to kick the can down the road and so like that that's exactly what you were going to like like it's not commendable by or I guess it is commendable by Stanford on saying like we are addressing the realities of this situation like it has been it has been fucked beyond oblivion and so we need to like uh, live in reality as opposed to operating in a world where we stick our head in the sand and say it doesn't exist 
Oh, and also Harvard is uh, going online only and still charging full tuition at out of state. Like, we talk about efforts. Like, how does how does I mean I understand it's Harvard, so it's like it's not like you know the good old you know everyone grows up in Cambridge and goes to Harvard. But how do you justify charging the same in-state and out-of-state tuition for online only? There's there's no difference between students when it comes to all. How do you justify? In-state versus out-of-state on in-campus learning. Who the fuck? You should get charged more if you're from Boston. Fuck you. And like our Harvard kids, like it's not like like if that happened at Ole Miss or whatever, everyone would just bail and go to the community college for a semester until they kind of like got it together. Or Harvard kids aren't going to JUCO, I don't assume. No, and I think that – I mean that's been the uh, – if anyone is listening to this that is in between the ages of 17 and 19, do not pay an institution fifteen grand to go to school there this year. Make sure those credits transfer and take shit online, dude. It is so dumb. Like I, th- you're paying for a degree. Like, like you, were, you, were paying, you were paying for a marketed piece of paper. I mean that is the only reason that – it's the same thing with any of our degrees. Like they are valuable. Like they, they hold intrinsic value because other people place value on it. But like if you're going to end up with a Georgia degree at the end of the day in four years, it doesn't matter if you went to the University of North Georgia to save yourself 30 grand in the middle of a pandemic. I think you're I'm interested to see, like, especially all of us, like in in relatively fluid work situations, like I'm I'm anticipating you have a lot of offices that just end up going totally, totally remote. Like we went up to in our our San Fran road trip, we went up and we stayed with one of our, our friends that was working out there. And she was saying that at the absolute earliest, they are going back in the middle of September and the way it's looking is like not even going to be 2021. And so like at that point, if you figure out how to work at home for a year, then you probably the, the corporate side of things is probably going to say we don't need to spend X, Y and Z on on office space. I think you're going to see a ton of that because I was we were hanging out with the, some people over here the other night and he'd been at home for obviously a couple of months now, but like he was saying that his company was like probably going to do that through at least the end of the year. And at that point, if it's working like that, why go back? Yeah. The, uh, anyone want to get into corporate real estate right now? <laughs> it's a booming business, you know, you to, get in now, you know, <laughs> I was about to say, I think, I think the three of us could get to get scrape some money together, build a skyscraper. I mean, I'm down. how much could it cost? $10. Who who's our corporate sponsor for a skyscraper? Uh, it ha- it has to be some sort of alcohol brand, right? Because that's I think. Oh, I was thinking <laughs> a gas station chicken restaurant. Oh, it has to be Brothers. It has to be Brothers Chicken. I mean, what is it? Is it chicken on a stick in Oxford? Is that what? What's the what? What's uh, the yeah the Chevron chicken on a stick? Yeah, yeah. Their uh their pizza on a stick life uh that was quite the uh. Quite the revelation when I went to Oxford in 2016. Yeah, th- that's the little spoiler alert here. I go to Chicken on a Stick and don't get chicken. Like, I go get the uh, Crispito, which I don't even know what is in it, but it has cheese in it. Just eat it. It's life-changing. And then pizza sticks. And uh, that drunk at 2 o'clock in the morning is uh, is medicine. The uh, we, we-, talked about this, we talked about this in the group chat, but uh, <laughs> once, once we have – Fully insulated jobs uh, that it once you patrons uh, can hop on and, and support all three of us financially, 
we will tell you uh, the uncut version, uh, literally, of what uh, Rippy and I's weekend in Oxford was when Georgia played uh, Ole Miss in, in 2016. Side Shout note. out to the uh, gentleman that uh, just while we are moving slowly on Highway 6, I'm just jogging alongside the car, like just being like, hey, man, got a parking pass. Yeah, that'll be 50 bucks. Here's 80 and just jump back in because I uh, did not did not bring the one I was supposed to bring. That, was, yeah. that whole weekend was just honestly, it was pretty fortunate circumstances. Every problem we had got miraculously solved and they were all of our own creation. Side note, and Andrew and Rippy don't know this. The day of that game was actually the same day as A, my 22nd birthday, and B, when I lost my keys on the quad. That's not the only football weekend that uh, you've spent commiserating after a pair of lost keys. It is not the first time I've lost my keys, um, and it was certainly not the last. It's happened even one separate time, which we'll discuss at a later date. Um, but <laughs> on a on a on a separate note from that, I'm I'm really moved. What is y'all's? Uh, I, I've been getting into uh, into Reddit recently, and they have the absurd. I don't know if y'all seen the Daily Carry Reddit, but it's just a bunch of uh, a lot of like right wing hawks that will post uh, their their wallet and their keys and their six guns and their knives that they carry. But I've become very obsessed after I lost my wallet recently. Uh, with as few things carrying as possible, and so I've got the uh, the handy dandy. I, I would fully recommend anyone the the card uh, the card case for the wallet, um, absolute, and then the AirPods on the key ring. And so I'm down to I'm down to two things over here. If you can't tell, um, I just want to do anything other than talk about fucking college football and coronavirus right now. So. It, <laughs> We I had to do I had to do a podcast this week on the two four seven site and like we just started getting angry with each other because we were like you stop talking about coronavirus and then we'd go on a tangent about it. I was like no you stop talking I just literally talking ourselves into circles and an insanity it's it's a miserable conversation I the the one thing I will say about this is my mindset has like shifted over the last like in the first I'd say two months of quarantine when it was really like all right, we might only be in this for a little while because we might have a halfway competent response to it. Like it was like, Oh fuck, I really want to go outside. Like, or like, I really want to be doing the same shit that I had normally been doing. Like I'm missing going to bars. I'm missing like, like it would be great if a restaurant were, would be open to where I can go. And now that we've gotten to this, like it, not necessarily fatigue point by I'm not fatigued by the virus because it is very real and everywhere. But like, I want to stay inside now because it's the only place that I don't constantly think about coronavirus. Like if I'm out of the grocery store or like, like when we were in San Fran, we did like one outdoor seating thing. And it was like, it was the only restaurant or anything that like I've been to up to this point. And like, we, we were one of three, like it was our group of three and one other group there. And there were two workers and everyone was in masks. And like, it was probably the safest, like you could have a, an outdoor dining situation. But I was like, I'm just fucking anxious. Like, like I, that's like, not I even, yeah. I'm not enjoying, like I'm paying, I'm eating a $16 salad, fucking nervous the entire time. Like I'd rather sit at home and smoke weed, and not think about it. Yeah. Part and of, it, part of the experience. Like, it's like you look around and there's no people or even worse, you see people just being reckless and irresponsible. And so like home is the only place where you just don't get pissed off by other people. Yeah. Part of the experience in going to like restaurants and bars is the fact that, there are other people there adding to the energy. 
And it's like, I, in the before times, I would love to go to restaurants because it's like, wow, it's nice. Here's someone here. They're working very hard to make sure I have a good experience. They're smiling. I'm smiling. I'm with my best friends. This is awesome. And coronavirus, like, well, you can do that just at like, you know, 25% of what you thought it was before. And it's just great. Now, this person's terrified. They hate me because I'm making them, you know, serve me in a pandemic. They're wearing a mask, like you said. It's terrible. It's just like, who, who, who is this for? <laughs> when I was in Arkansas uh, at the newspaper there for an internship one summer, I was uh, given an assignment to profile doomsday preppers. And I often just wonder now what those people are thinking of all of this. Like, ha, suck it, we told you. Like, is that the attitude? Because, you know, who's the crazy ones now? I, I was I was reading on Twitter. They were like, uh, the the anxiety like the anxiety wing of Twitter has just been completely validated now. They're like, I've been screaming at my therapist about about irrationally the world ending and you've been trying to tell me everything was fine. Meanwhile, I'm the one that's right over here. I mean, it, <laughs> this is the absolute worst way in the world to be proven right. But my, my young or one of my brothers just walked in and he's, I live right by a golf course. So he's going to hit balls. And I will say I'm very like my angle is just torn to all oblivion. And so I'm actually kind of upset that the one sport that it is kind of acceptable to play right now, I am one bad at and two uh, broken to the point that I can't even try to improve to get better. That's what's crazy about all this, right? Is like we're talking about how logistically impossible and what a terrible idea is to have all these things coming back. And like the golf and the PGA Tour just cruising along, like really without many hiccups. They've had a few guys (laughs) test positive, but like you know, obviously you can't compare that to anything because golf, you literally socially distance like by nature, but like, it's just crazy. All this craziness is going on and PGA tour is just alive and kicking. I, and, and still on tape delay somehow. Yeah. <laughs> golf, God, that's a whole nother conversation. The way golf is covered is just so completely and utterly incompetent. It, it's terrible. CBS is also the worst at it. Yeah. The, uh, What's interesting is we've managed to go at least four hours of live recording with touching on, I think, just about every sport under the sun except baseball, because I do find it funny that like they operated this entire situation where it's like like, like they showed their ass in multiple ways in the, the sense of like they went through this entire thing basically saying the reason we're not playing right now is because our billionaire owners are greedy. It's not that we don't give a shit about coronavirus. Like it, I found it really funny like that they postured it. it was like, no, 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 no. Like we don't care that there's a deadly pandemic going on right now. We just can't figure out the money part of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I do I, think of the four major pro sports, it's, it's hard to say who's good and who's not because you say, oh, they made money. Like it's a major sport in America. It's always going to make money. Um, so it's really just a race to see who the worst is. And I think Manfred has been full speed ahead, um, you know, took the title by storm in terms of worst major sport commissioner in the country. Because this entire situation is just, could have been avoided if he had like half of a backbone, right? And then just allowing both the players and his owners to just battle it all publicly in the media. <laughs> That's another thing about this. Is none of this was settled behind closed doors. They filled <laughs> this as publicly as they possibly could, and it makes no sense. There were there were no leaks. The players were just like, here's what the owners told us. <laughs> yeah, you can't leak something that you don't give a shit it's out there in the first place. 
Yeah, Blake Snell was like on Instagram live being like, oh, fuck my owner, fuck my team, fuck this league. I'm right off on this. I'm not coming back. Like, He's having labor discussions on Twitch. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, tell, telling his telling his owner to suck one on on Instagram Live. I, the 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 thing about baseball though is, and there are a lot more parallels to football. Football just has more eyeballs and is more interesting. But like, I think the reason that Adam Silver has managed to remain competent in this entire thing, or, I mean, competent being used loosely as the league is starting up in like in the middle of a coronavirus cell. Um, but the the I think the only difference in those leagues, and I, I think this can tie back into us potentially appointing a college football commissioner, is KP cut out right there. We are going to drive up to New York and uh, steal him back to put him in a proper proper Wi-Fi connection. But we're essentially talking about we need a commissioner of college football because um, I think the breakdown in the competency of these leagues is is really – um, or, or at least from the public perception, is the difference in how the relationship between the commissioners and essentially in in college football would be member institutions, but in in the pro sports, it's the relationships to the owners. And I think that you have somewhere like baseball, it's fracturing right now because Manfred is hated by both the players and the owners. At least for Goodell, he has the support of the owners because they pay him enough money to make sure that the concussions and the labor disputes and the health insurance and the guaranteed contracts and all of that uh, nice souffle of shit that they have concocted over the last 60 years doesn't actually reach their doorstep. But the issue I think with college football is you have all of those different things, but then you are also dealing with not paying them. And so like, I think dealing with a commissioner of college football is like, who on earth could you possibly get in there that would be willing to like carry this flag of the, one of the worst in- institutions in the history. Of, who would be the uh, most forever. hilarious college football commissioner? It's Spurrier, right? It's Spurrier. It's gotta be. Sp- <laughs> I'll submit that. Um, yes, yeah, Spurrier. The way Phil Fulmer is going, he might Fulmer be bad. can't be named SEC commissioner. Someone that he's close to has to be named commissioner first. I, I mean, not, say, not SEC. Be, just they would football. tell him he can't do it, and he would just assume office anyway. Yeah, they 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 would give it to someone else, and then he'd orchestrate a three month long process and ousting that person. You know who's actually Jim Tressel probably is the current commissioner yeah. of college football. All, all things uh, – people, like, joke about Jim Trussell a lot. In retrospect, the worst thing he did was kind of try to cover up that his players got free tattoos. And, 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 <laughs> Dude, Jim cool, man. What the hell? I really – like, I really hate having to do all of this, like, retrospective, like, un- unlearning of, like, who I was taught was bad. And good. I mean, obviously it's happening in a, a large, like – historical context because the american education system sucks but on like a very real sports context it's like god damn all those guys that were taking steroids are cool <laughs> as hell what are you talking you told me i was one like trussell like presided over you know until meyer got like people didn't think meyer could do what he did but i mean trussell won the big 10 or at least a share of it like six years in a row and he got fired because some people like got free tattoos <laughs> in columbus can you imagine that do you know how quickly Bill Self should have been ousted doing that same <laughs> shit? Come on. Would Urban Meyer be a good commissioner? Because he's terribly unself-aware, and then when any time a problem happened or he, he he did something wrong, he could just say, I don't remember. 
Meyer would like he'd put his entire soul into it, and he would do an amazing job for three and a half years. And then <laughs> the first uh, moment of adversity, he quit, and we'd never hear from him again. No, it would be it would it would somehow be like he he somehow sold the all the the conference uh, live streaming rights to the NFL or something after three years, and then he started working for for Roger Goodell or something. He he would end up he would end up figuring out a way to like sell college football <laughs> to the devil or something. How much you want oh. for the CFB? Three and a half billion. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Interesting. But how about how about I take your soul for this fiddle, boy? And not a dime is going to the players. Oh yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah, the, so so I, I think it would. So there, there are two. So who would be a college football commissioner that would actually be competent, and then who would be the most quintessential like hell on earth? Actually, we deserve this college football commissioner. Ooh. Because Meyer Meyer fits Meyer fits the second category very well of like I mean if this is if this is the absolute wild west like it has always been then we deserve someone with absolutely I mean, Russell no fits the code. first doesn't he Yeah I think so actually he's coached at multiple levels um, he's you know a very smart he's a university president right now if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I think that was um, so good for it. So I think Trussell actually would be a pretty decent commissioner. In terms of a bad commissioner, I think you have to look at a former AD who's a little bit too into the amateurism model. And I think you have to start with Oliver Luck, uh, aka Andrew Luck's dad. He, um, <laughs> I guess he's, I guess he's, he doesn't have a job anymore now. Yeah, doing McMahon. Uh, uh, probably it's Oliver Luck, so there's a pretty decent chance of that happening. Hey, why don't we just get yeah, Vince McMahon? That's the one we deserve. Vince McMahon would just like make paying players mandatory. It's it's not an opt-in or opt-out thing. It's like if you're not paying your players, you are no longer a member institution. We get yeah, we get investigated yes, for not know. paying them. Exactly. Yeah, just like just like we need to we need to start drug testing people to make sure they're right. on drugs. It's like whatever the opposite of the COI is. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, uh, or again, I think you could just give it to Lee Corso in his current state and just say, it's yours. <laughs> whatever, whatever you think, sir. Just absolutely Speaking of Corso, I've been watching a lot of old college football games, and sometimes like game day is there. And it's kind of night and day uh, what Lee Corso is now compared to where he was like in 2008. It's a kind of shocking that just like we thread. We've seen him deteriorate kind of just before us for a decade now, and no one's doing anything about it. It makes what KP's talking about all the more impressive because I don't think any of us realized in that time when he was competent and like made the show entertaining how old he actually was then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like he started the show as a retired, a lifelong retired college football coach. He's been at it a while. I mean, yeah, the I mean, they they really Kirk like Kirk's job of weekend at burning him through almost an entire decade of college football I mean, has been beyond impressive. Be like, Lee, Lee, name me one of the teams in the playoff in two thousand. He's eighty four now. Like, <laughs> jeez. Yeah, so that so that means dude. he started game day at yeah fifty sixty. Yeah. 
see, in 1987. How so 50 something? He was in his 50s when he started the job. David's been going since 87. I don't think it was, yeah. I don't think it was kind of like it what? in its current form, though. I think it was just called Saturday College Game Day. And it was a studio. Oh, yeah. Game Day is definitely older than we are. Wait, since, since, wait how long has Game Day been on uh, the road? I think 93 was that big, that big BC Notre Dame game. Okay. What was the first? What was the first game day that y'all went Ooh, to? Oh man, I didn't go in like school a lot until I got to college. I think it was Bama at LSU 2012 was my first time at at a game day. Ole Miss never had it. See, like, I was it, they the, had I, it. I was kind of the opposite. Like I went when I I went for LSU growing up, like when I was younger. But I don't think I went in college. Like when I got Ole Miss, to never had it. Like home or on the road, obviously, because they are never consistently good enough to like always be in that conversation. But then they had it like four times between the one home, obviously the whole Katy Perry deal, and then they had it like you know two other times that year. Like they played LSU like the next week or two weeks later and had it down there. So it became like old news very quickly. Yeah, I think the first two, uh, which are a little bit, I, I want to say, like, ingrained, like, infrastructurally into the game day lore. In 2003, I was I went to the LSU-Georgia game day, and that was the one where Corso picked Georgia, and they threw a golf ball at him. And so they had to, following that, they started putting nets up behind the, the, uh, the, the screen, and then the year after, it was opening weekend, and it was LSU-Oregon State 2004. Jesus. And for some reason, Corso picked Corso picked Oregon State. Uh, retrospect, not a terrible pick. But they started chanting, fuck you, Corso, as loud as they could around the parade grounds. And they had to, like, after that, they had to start getting, like, the small delay so they could put the the, the bleeper in or whatever. So um, I think my first two game day experiences uh, required some changes in the way that I just – I was looking up the video of the uh, – in 2011 where it was SMU Houston. And yes. they, dropped the, they dropped the bucket. Like, and I actually played it. That was a legendary yep. moment. <laughs> that one was great. Um, no, I, so so I know everyone talks about the Corso replacement for game day in terms of like Spurrier's been thrown out, Les Miles has been thrown out. Like, it, have they built something to the point where like we are we are willing to like like is the headgear replacement necessary to the show in the way it like structures to that build up with Corso and can some like can someone actually replace that or like have they just built the audience where it's like no we just want like a cool studio set to come on campus to signify unfortunately I don't think there's going to be much of an overlap I, he's going to make it this long but my contention for a replacement would just be Mike Leach on edibles <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome pick or no pick I think See, I think Mike Leach on uppers would be a little bit more fun because then I think you get the more like, let's start a business. These are my conspiracy <laughs> theories more than like, let's love each other and he, flow together. Speaking of that, the reason I thought of this is because you're talking about what he, the ridiculous things he would say. He tweeted, as we were recording this podcast, if you could know the truth behind any mystery, which mystery could you choose? Would you choose? Good. Oh, Jeff. Not JFK, definitely moon landing, right? No, see, I don't even care if the moon landing's fake. Yeah, We've been there before. JFK, 
9-11? We, have, we haven't had a good 9-11 episode yet. That'd be, Let's could, release it on 9-11, actually. It'll be very, very, very sensitive, very, oh. um, very thought, thoughtful of us. Recent, recency bias, but the Epstein say. thing is it for me, I think. Oh, man, Ghislaine. That's good. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's G. So the Ghislaine. S is silent. The SSI, I don't get it, dude. I know when Rippy and I were talking about this when your audio cut out, but you you can't operate, you can't go more than nine minutes without looking at Twitter if you don't want to just be left in the dark. You're literally a slave to it in order to like be able to read it competently. It, it's a, it's always been a fast moving app, but I really do think these last few months have like accelerated that to a point we didn't think possible. Yeah, we've given people that don't need more free time more free time. <laughs> succinct way to put it <laughs> and, and i was about to say do you know what that happens we come up with uh shitty college football podcasts and apparently why uh wayfair has been selling child sex slaves through their <laughs> i think that's a great place for us to uh <laughs> for us to uh, um, close up shop this week um folks thanks again for listening uh to all of our ramblings about college football uh Will there be a season? Yes, no. You can answer that for yourself. Um, well, there will definitely be more podcasts. I, I do think that we are going to try and start going twice a week. So we'll have our uh, our just the three of us on on the early episode, and I think we'll go drop drop that on Monday, and then either Thursday or Friday, we'll bring in some sort of guest. Um, I think we have. And again, it's been unbelievably dated now, even after nine days. But uh, the Bosco's Boys podcast, it's our big Kansas State podcast. And I think we might have those guys on to talk a little bit about what's going on in Manhattan and um, looping it a little bit back in. Because I don't know if people forgot, there is uh, also a civil rights movement going on amidst this pandemic. So um, we will touch back in with them. But I guess I'm just bogarting the end right now from KP. But I guess we'll see you next time. See you, folks.